Who do you want to be as a leader? What are the blind spots you're missing? If you had a magic wand and you could change anything about your workplace, what would you do with it? These are the kinds of questions we explore on Inspirational Leadership. I'm your host, Kristen Harcourt. I'm a keynote speaker, emotional intelligence coach, and leadership trainer who partners with executives and emerging leaders who want to achieve extraordinary results for themselves and their organizations. You're in the right place if you're ready to cultivate the self-awareness to be the leader you were born to be. Let's go on this journey together. Welcome to Inspirational Leadership. I'm your guest. I'm your host. I'm your host, Kristen Harcourt, and I'm super excited to introduce you to another guest. Today, I am going to be speaking to you with Tony Martignetti, who is a trusted advisor, entrepreneur, idea generator, and people connector. He brings together practical experience, formal training, and extreme curiosity to elevate leaders and equip them with the tools to navigate through change and unlock their true potential. Tony is also the host of the Virtual Campfire Podcast, and he's the author, for anyone who's here looking on video, I'm gonna hold it up, this beautiful book. He is the author of the book, Climbing the Right Mountain, Navigating the Journey to an Inspired Life. Welcome to the show, Tony. Thank you so much. I'm so thrilled to be here. I just feel like, you know, you and I are kindred spirits and we, uh, inspiration is at the core of what we really believe in. And I love that. So I think absolutely. As I was reading through your book, chapter by chapter, uh, it just felt so resonant and, and again, reminded me how privileged, um, we are to be able to do this, this work and help people to get to this in place of really living an inspired life. Because I think for some people, they just think it's not a possibility, right? That's just for some people over here, but it's not for me. And so for us to be able to ignite that passion and inspiration in their lives, I mean, what a, what a gift and a journey. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. It's, it's, for me, it is truly a blessing to be um, to be in this space. And I think about what it took to get here. And I think, wow, the trials and tribulations, and here we are doing what we're doing. And I think that's a wonderful place for us to start, because in your book, you do authentically share your story. And as you started to even allude to some of those trials and tribulations that got you to the journey you're on right now. And, and because I, I work with so many leaders like you and see some of the things that they experience in, in workplaces and some of the ways that they just feel like this is the way it is and this is what life is supposed to look like. And I know for you, there was maybe one moment that was the catalyst, but I think there was actually several moments. I just yeah. really like the story. And maybe we could start here when you were in that meeting and you just mm-hmm. said, what is going on here? Right. Probably not out loud, but probably internally. And there was started to be a recognition, like I'm not going to do this anymore. Um, so I'd love to start here and maybe you're going to bring us a little bit backwards as well to get us to how you got to that moment. But, but talk to me about that meeting when it felt like a, a really a breakthrough showed up for you. Yeah, I love that. And one of the things I've really been, I've been thinking about is how Sometimes you you choose words that um, you align with, and then they show up more pronounced as you start to tell your story. Now, my tagline for my business is inspiration through honest conversations. And when people ask me about that, I say, well, the honest conversations that you have, they start with the kind of conversations you have with yourself, for starters. 
And I feel like that conversation I had in that moment, which I'm going to talk about in a moment, was the first real honest conversation I had. Um, and so let me tell the story. Um, so there I was sitting in this um, boardroom, um, about 40 people or so in this boardroom, give or take. And I had this moment where I'd been through some issues beforehand where I was, you know, feeling as though like, maybe I'm not in the right place, but I'll continue moving on in the path of doing the work that I'm doing um, because it pays the bills and it's what I do. Right. Uh, but I had this moment in that boardroom where I saw leaders who were just showing up and, you know, trying to protect their image of who's right and who's wrong. Um, it was, you know, what I would call toxic leadership, um, you know, leadership that really is, is based on how am I, you know, preserving my image in the, in the face of everyone else. And as I listened to these leaders, I looked around the room and I saw everyone checked out looking at their phones, you know, oftentimes I heard people say before this meeting that they just, you know, that's just the way it is. That's just the way that they are. Um, and making excuses for the way that things are. Um, and in that moment, I said to myself, wow, I can't believe that I've arrived here in this place where I'm, you know, accepting things as they are and I'm collecting a really healthy paycheck and yet I don't feel like I'm making an impact. I don't feel inspired. I don't feel like this is the life I should be living. And so I told myself, I said, I think I need to do something about this, at least for myself, but I think for other people too. And in that very moment, I said, I think I need to leave. Um, and when I leave, I'm going to leave the room to change the room because this room is no longer feeling like it served anybody. And that's what I did. I literally walked up. I, I stand, stood up and walked out. It, it felt very dramatic to me, you know, but I don't know if it was necessarily a situation where everyone was feeling like, what is he doing? What is he doing? Um, but for me, it was very dramatic. Um, and I definitely didn't return to that room. Um, I did have conversations with people after the fact, and they asked me and they said, well, you know, what's going on? Are you uh, going to come back? And I said, no, I'm not. I decided that I've moved on um, and I'm going to do something different about the way I'm showing up in the world. Uh, so, yeah. Wow. And it's, it's such a brave moment. And, and, and I, I'm so glad. Thank you for sharing that. And, and then people are going to say, oh, okay. So it was a brave moment. And then what do you do? Right. Because yeah. there's the brave moment, but then it's like, oh, oh, wow. Like where I go, what do I do next? And, mm -hmm. and so what was that like? Uh, was there a feeling of, of elation? Was there a feeling I, I like to, I'm, I always try to get, so listeners, you're used to me doing this, not getting you just in your head, but also mm. getting into your body. What did that experience feel like for you? Oh my gosh. It, it was a feeling of so many feelings. It was freeing, but at the same time, anxiety producing, like it was really a moment of all the feelings coming up at once. Um, so when I walked out, I felt like I was taking control and I felt like, wow, the possibilities are endless. But I also started thinking to myself like, wow, because there's so, there's so many things that are uncertain and I don't know exactly know how I'm going to bring this to life. Um, I had a lot of worries 
about like, how will I make this happen? Like now it's on me. It's all on me to make this happen, which is, I think what holds a lot of people back from, from making those leaps because there's so much uncertainty. There's so much that they've been able to rest in the comfort of the corporate world or the, the world that they've lived in. When you go off into the bold world of the unknown, it feels a little bit icky at times because you're like, oh my gosh, unsafe. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And so I think one of the big things is I think first acknowledging that we all experience this, right? Because sometimes we might see the leap of faith and just feel like, well, that person is so courageous that they didn't feel all of those emotions. And we're here to tell Mm. you, no, 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 (laughs) no one gets to skip that messiness. But I think what we need to do and what we all have are different tools in our toolkit that Mm. help us work with work through the uncertainty. So what did that look like for you, Tony? What, what were your coping strategies as all of these emotions, you know, elation and excitement contrasted with, oh my gosh, what now at the same time, what did you use? What got you through that? Yeah, I, I, I had to first think about all the work that I'd done up to that point, which was to really think about how I'm always evolving. I'm always um, going to be learning new things. And I have to be compassionate about my own journey, that it's not going to be perfect out of the gate. Um, And I'm not going to be creating a business that is, you know, replacing my corporate salary from the moment I I leave the the nest, if you will. Um, And I think that's important for me to to point out is that I, I had that feeling already. I knew that it was going to take time to build. And that whatever I initially set out on was not going to be exactly where I end up. Yeah. So that was like the, the understanding that whatever I had in my mind was great to have that vision, but also understanding that I can't be so steadfast and saying, this is it. And it has to be this. If I don't, then I'm failing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's a spaciousness and a permission to be able to experiment and explore and play and try Mm. out different things. Because if you don't try out certain things, you don't get closer to what does feel good. And so it's allowing yourself that space. I love that, Tony. Um, Walk me back a little further back. And, Mm. and I I love with the book, right? It's climbing the right mountain because a lot of times what people find is, and sometimes I use the analogy of the ladder too, they're working their way up here because that's what they think they should be doing. That's what they think is going to get them to that place where they finally feel fulfilled, happy, um, aligned, peaceful, purposeful, all of those things. And so what, what did that look like for you, that journey, like back in the day when you started to work towards your goals and your definition of success, what do you know now about your definition of success back then? Maybe it was 20 years ago, you know, when you first started to have that definition. Yeah. I, I always had this feeling that, um, I was looking to other people for what the definition definition of success was. And I think we often do, we get stuck in this trap that success is defined by others and um, society in general. I mean, look at the internet, right? We have social media that has all of these things that are pushed on us of like, look at what success looks like. It, you know, um, there's so many ways that we push the ideals on others. And what we need to do, and what I didn't know at the time, we needed to, to really define that for ourselves. 
like it, we don't necessarily have to be the CEO or the CFO or whatever it may be of the company, unless that's truly what we're, what, what we feel is the way that our impact is going to show up. Um, I don't like to kind of paint the picture that, you know, selling, we should sell ourselves short. We should be the, the most that we want to be um, and create the biggest impact that we feel that we can make, but do it for the reasons that we want to. And I think ultimately in my journey, what I've realized is that I started to paint this, this journey, the picture that I wanted to, to create the mountain that I was climbing was based on, you know, what people wanted for me from an early age. I was an artist who then became a pre-med major, went to medical school and then switched into business. Cause I was always feeling like a, a square peg in a round hole. And Although I did, I was successful in all the things that I was doing. I ultimately felt like I was always missing something. There was something that was not right. Uh, and ultimately that's where I realized along that path that I was maybe I'm not on the right path for me. Uh, so. And I think that that definition of success is, is so important because so often, and unless we pause and really ask ourselves some poignant, deeper questions, we're not even aware that we're working towards society's definition of success, our parents' definition of success, our friends' yeah. definition of success. And, you know, as we're talking about this right now, what even shows up for me is when you start to think about that holistic definition of success sometimes it's not even just about the career piece, right? It's, uh, you know, we have a trillion dollar industry that talks about you're successful when you're a certain size, you're successful when you're a certain weight, when you look yeah. a certain way, when your hair is a certain way, when you have certain outfits, and then we have social media and technology that can just amplify this. And yeah. from my experience, because we're not aligned at sometimes and working towards a definition of success that not only is it not achievable, but that trillion dollar industry doesn't want you to succeed because then they can't buy you more things to tell you once you get this, you're enough. Oh, you got there. No, I was teasing you. Look at your face. You got to do the makeup now. And then you get to that place. What's yeah. going on? So there's so many parallels. When you think about this definition of success, it's not just uh, when you think about career, it can be in all areas, right? Outwardly, who do you have to be in order to be seen as successful or an excess, a successful human being? Yeah. And it's funny that like, it never stops, right? There's, I was thinking about this recently, how like we have the billionaire space race and, you know, here you have these billionaires who are like, by all intents and purposes, they've got all the money and the things that they can ever want. Right. And now they're, you know, comparing each other against, well, I have a space program. Do you have a space program? If you don't have a space program, then you're not successful. You know, that seems to be the next way that they can compare themselves around, like, how are they, you know, pushing the needle in the space, in the race to space. Yeah. So, so just so you know, you know, it's not about when I have the money, then I'll be successful. <laughs> no, you'll probably have some other marker of success that you'll be more, you know, working towards um, if you continue to chase what society tells you you need to have. 
And you talk about this really beautifully in the book. And maybe you want to talk about this for a second now when we talk about happiness and chasing happiness. Yeah. And the the uh, it's actually you're doing exactly the opposite when you're chasing the happiness. Talk a little bit around what that looks like and why people sometimes get confused with that happiness quotient. Yeah, no, I, I love that you brought that up because it is, it's such an important thing. You know, we can't expect to be happy at the end of that mountain at the end of the climb, because, you know, it may be that what we're pursuing is something that we can have right now. First of all, um, we can come from a place of being happy. And when you do kind of set your intention of, I want to come from a place of, of being fulfilled right now, what happens is it changes your, the way that you climb. It changes your perspective on who you are and who you're being right now and allows you to find fulfillment in the moments that you have right now. Um, the perspective of happiness comes first, um, which I can't say that I invented that or, you know, that thought process, you know, Sean Acor, so many great people who have really um, been following the happiness and fulfillment path. Um, that I really believe is a great way to think about this, but I think they're right. And I think that's why I included that, that aspect in the book is that we really need to, to come from a place of, um, I have to be satisfied with what's happening right now and come from that place in order for me to be able to create the things that I want for the future. Yeah. Yeah, it's so important. And, um, you know, somewhere I'd like to take you now is when we start to talk about, you know, that room and what was going on in that room mm -hmm. with the 30 leaders. Um, you and I both know because we work with a lot of organizations and cultures that unfortunately that's not an, an uncommon occurrence. And mm -hmm. even what's striking me as you were talking about the space programs and what's going on there, it's the same thing that I see over and over and over again, which is leaders operating from ego as opposed from a level mm -hmm. of, I like to say, head and heart and humility. Yeah. And there's also spectrum, right? We have... Um, you know, what Simon Sinek talks about the brilliant a-holes that are on one side. And then we have, you know, the other side where it's almost to the point where it's martyrdom and the individuals like always sacrificing themselves in, in yeah. terms of the individual. So I think there's this beautiful midpoints from your perspective, when we think about helping leaders on that journey, what do you think's happening there? You know, let's talk about the space program and let's talk about those leaders in those meetings what's getting them in a way because there's ultimately when people are behaving in a certain way there is a payoff for behaving in that certain way right so mm -hmm. they're getting that payoff and they're continuously behaving in that way and we want to get them out of that cycle and shift mm -hmm. it what do you think's going on there tony well i think what one of the biggest parts of this is context is key is king, I should say. Context is so important. And when they see that, you know, you, you take a behavior and you repeat it over time and use it in multiple situations over and over and over again, um, and you expect the same results, you're not going to get the same results. In fact, you get, um, it starts to wear off over time that, you know, people see you as that person who comes in with a forceful hammer all the time. And, um, and, and looking for the nail and you, you know, nailing hammers, you know, I always think of leadership as being this, this balance that requires that you have the ability to, 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 um, to see the continuum 
of what you need in a certain context and the ability to be able to say, okay, sometimes I need to be a little harder on, um, in a situation, you know, to be able to be, hold people accountable to results and show them that, you know, what they did in a certain situation wasn't, wasn't okay. And, um, that I'm not, you know, going to push over and just like, let them, you know, take advantage of the situation. Um, but show them that I also have their back and that I really care deeply. Um, I like to think of it as this, like, it's a compassionate accountability is the word I keep on playing with. And I love that concept of being the compassionate leader that sees and cares deeply for the people around them, but holds them accountable for the results. And I think that's, that concept helps us to see that it's like that the person in front of you knows that you're going to, you know, deal with certain things in different situations as they're, it's required. And then, then they get to know you for being the person who sees them fully, not just as like a resource, but as a person. Yeah, I think it's um, it's so important to have both, right? Because there is this container, right? It, I always, I use the analogy so often of raising kids and raising employees. <laughs> and some people are like, you shouldn't be thinking of employees as kids, but it's not about that. It's the parallels around, mm. we all, like the kids need boundaries for a reason, right? And mm. and it's the same reason within organizations, like people want to be, how, I'm going to be careful around saying they want to be people who want to grow, want to be held accountable and to be challenged and to get feedback. I talk a lot about radical Mm -hmm. candor, which is, you know, direct and clear is kind and not giving feedback is actually not helping anyone and not serving anyone because they're not going to see those edges and those opportunities to grow and develop, but it's what's underneath that tone, right? If you're doing the accountability, but then there's no compassion or empathy around the way it's being delivered, it's not going to be received the same way, right? It's such a missed opportunity. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's exactly it. I mean, we need to make sure, uh, one of the things I keep on coming back to is this element of like, you know, you, you want to grow people and they're in the organization, make sure that they feel as though they're coming to, to work, not just to get a job done, but that they're actually coming to work to actually become better people through the work that they're doing. And I know that seems odd, but I, it's this concept of like employee engagement is this like buzzword that's been all thrown around. And I find that employee engagement is actually employer centric. And um, because it's all about, I want my employees to be engaged in the work. Okay, but how about employee enrichment? Yeah. Employee enrichment says that I want my employees to feel like, like they're becoming better employee people, you know, they're becoming better people because they're working with us. We're making them better people and they will be so enriched that they don't want to leave. If they do leave, they're leaving better than we let them when we found them. That. I love that language, Tony. It's, it, you know, the words have so much power, right? So imagine instead of employee engagement and it was employee enrichments. Yeah how people are coming from things, right? Even the leaders and how they're thinking about things. And it reminds me as I hear you saying that, I I talk so much about goals. Goals, not just about where you're going to and achieving and your goals can change all the time. I'm not as concerned about the goals. I'm concerned about who you're becoming 
as you're working exactly. towards those goals. And that's what I hear when I hear you saying employee enrichment, like imagine you're creating an environment where somebody continuously grows into the best version of themselves. And guess what? If you want to talk about ROI companies, there's a good ROI for you because as people are enriched and continuing to grow into who they are, their potential and the energy and the flow and their productivity and all of that goes sky, yeah. sky off the charts, sky high. Absolutely. I mean, I'm so glad you said that because it's exact. That's what most people, when you start talking about these concepts of employee enrichment, you, may, you, know, you might lose a few people on the journey. You got to bring it back to the brass tacks of what does this mean to me as a business owner? Like, why would I want to do that? Well, because at the end of the day, there's so many ripple effects of that impact. And I think that's where it comes down to. And to come back to your initial question, which is to say, you know, why is this important for the employee beyond the big picture enrichment? But they need, they need to have that feedback. They want to know that I'm not just going to be get all sugar-coated, radical candor, those things that are going to make sure that they're, you know, they're not just getting the, um, the positive, they're getting the negatives too. So they, they can be enriched. They can be propelled and moved forward from where they, where they started from. I think that's the important concept behind this. And when they do that, they feel more engaged for sure. Um, it's just, yeah. a, it's a side effect, not a, not, not the main purpose. Yeah. 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 So tell me a little bit around your experience with um, coaching or being a trusted advisor. And mm -hmm. I always like to say as a coach, it's like you're wearing a mentor hat, consultant hat, coaching hat, trusted advisor, thought partner hat, yeah. all of these hats. Um, what surprises you the most? Like when you start to continue to like, as you're working with leaders and going on these journeys with people, what surprises you or what surprises your clients when they start to mm -hmm. engage in that coaching journey? Yeah. Well, first of all, when they fir first come into coaching, they have one idea about what it is. And um, when you start to have conversations, the first few conversations, you start to see that there's a deeper, deeper underlying um, feeling that they've unlocked around what is possible. I, I kind of see it as like they're breathing deeper than they ever have before. And I think that's really apropos to the whole idea of inspiration, because inspiration is breathing life into um, or something like that. That's where the word inspire comes from. And I think that's where I love seeing people come from where they, they say like, Oh, you know, I really like to have my teams be, you know, working better together, or, you know, I'm feeling a little bit, you know, like there's something else that we should be doing. And there's this like something missing. And then as we have a conversation, you know, there might be like, Oh, I want to work on time management and all these, like these buzzword things that are at the surface of what they want to work on. And when we get to the core, it starts to get into this element of like, oh my gosh, like I've been playing small. I've been, I've been focusing on the wrong things. And that's what's holding me back from being the person I want to be. And when I really get clear to who it is I want on the inside, then that radiates and it creates an impact on other people around me. And they start to see that show up. And I think that's at the core of a lot of the conversations that I've had. And that's why, you know, I often say that it's coaching, but it's, it's really getting people to see deeper um, on many different levels. And that might also mean throwing some ideas out to them that might be, uh, you know, getting them to, to lead the horse to water, um, to get them to see their own ideas in bigger ways.
Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with what you're sharing there. To me, it's so much about the inward journey and they might start at one level, but then it goes down another layer and another layer and another layer. And sometimes that's also about comfort. There's a level of vulnerability and you don't get to A to Z or A to Z for my American listeners right away, right? It's a, it's a, it's a journey that you get to go on. And and I love the, the way you spoke about inspiration because that, that's why I call this podcast Inspirational Leadership because to me that's what inspiration looks like. And, and of course, that's your chief inspirational officer. I love that yeah. title um, because it feels like as I hear that, what that's what you're trying to evoke in others, right? To help them get to that place. Yeah. Um, what's been interesting for you as you've gone on to your journey and been doing more work with clients in, in coaching and training and speaking, um, how are you growing as a leader? Ooh, ooh. So um, first of all, what I've found is that the more and more I don't run away from my past, um, you may think about this, um, the more that I embrace my past, the more I become aligned with how to use it as a tool for moving forward and how to help others to use their past as a way to move forward. I think about it from the perspective of like, even the podcast, the virtual campfire, you know, when I get people to reflect on the things that they've done and, and what has really changed them, um, it's really helped them to see that, wow, that thing I went through is the very thing that helps me to help others. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think from that perspective, that's what I've really leaned into. Um, you know, when you start a coaching business, when you start a business where you're helping leaders, it's often like, well, you can go anywhere with that, but like, what exactly is it that you do and who do you serve? And so for me, I had to tap into going deeper, figure out who is it that I'm for? And that's where I, the, the gold was. I had to go back into my story, dig out some of those pieces that really made me who I am. And that is what made me um, create the right connection with the right people. Mm. So give us, take a second to tell us now, like as you went through that journey, who did you recognize that you're most called to serve? Yeah. And so I I always say uh, they're accomplished leaders because there are people who have done great things in the the past. Oftentimes they, they diminish them. They're, you know, kind of like, oh yeah, it was no big deal, but they are truly accomplished. And usually there's this place where they just feel like there's got to be more to life than what I'm experiencing right now. There's something missing. And they know that with with the right key to unlock that next step, they'll be able to move in some big way. They know there's something big on the horizon. They just don't have that, the ability to see it clearly. And so that's what I started to see is that there's, if they're willing to have that deep conversation, like I did when I left the boardroom, I, I had this. This one quote stuck with me, and it's from a, another coach. Um, if you're willing to feel everything, you can have anything. And I love that quote because it really got me into this place of saying, like, if I'm willing to go through a deep transformation, just like I would take other people through a deep transformation, then I can have just about anything I want. Um, and that, to me, is where I, if we are willing to go in a deep transformation, if you're a leader, who's accomplished, who's feeling stuck, and you're willing to go on a deep transformation to get out of your box that you think you're sitting in, then I'm your guy, you know, your person. Um, and I think that's really what I uncovered through that journey. Mm, I love it. 
Um, one of the things that we talk a lot about on the podcast, Tony, is that we're all a work in progress and we all have such a learning and growth. So I'm wondering what jumps out at you as, and, and, you know, when we look back, we recognize, oh, those were actually the poignant moments that where we learned a lot about ourselves. Yeah. What shows up for you if you were to look back and think of something where, you know, a mistake occurred, a failure, mm. something that at the time felt really, really difficult, but I'm sure now in retrospect, there might've been some good learning and growth for you. Oh yeah. I mean, there's an element of not just mistakes. I, I would say they're more those moments that like were pivotal, pivotal uh, in the journey. And I would say, you know, the first time you get laid off. Right. And yeah, I remember getting laid off from a job and I you know, felt like I was completely blindsided and I felt completely demoralized and didn't feel, I just didn't know what to do with myself. And, um, and at that point, you start questioning everything, your worth, your, you know, you're like, what do you do now? Um, and you've worked so hard to get to that point. And, you know, you think of all these things. Um, and that moment was a pivotal point because it made me think, okay, now, now what? Now what can I create? What does this create for me? And that, that didn't happen overnight, but that was the thing that really changed the game for me and got me thinking there's always a way to create something different um, if you're willing to go on the journey. And so that was one of the biggest ones. The other one came at a point along the way where it was actually earlier on when I realized that I would, I wanted to do something, a different career. I wanted to go into like business development. And I remember people telling me, Oh, well, you don't have an Ivy league degree. You don't have this. And I, this is all in hindsight, of course. Um, and I used to, listen to all this well-meaning advice and people would tell me like, this is, you know, the real deal. This is how, you know, it's how things work in the world. And I used to tell myself like, wow, okay, that's just the way it is, I guess. And just head down and continue to do what I'm doing. And I look back in those, those events like that. And I say to myself, like, no, you don't have to accept other people's opinions. That's just an opinion. That's what they think. And if I want something badly enough, I just have to, to be able to be willing to do the work, be willing to look at, a, you know, the pathway it's going to take to get there. You know, there are certain things in the world that may not be easy to get to. Maybe if, if I decided I really wanted to be a doctor, um, then I would have to go back to school and do that or, you know, choose a way to become closer to that path. Um, you know, I think ultimately those are the things that I always remember is those moments when people say you can't. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, it's coming that where they they're coming from, it's trying to be well-meaning because they think that they're, they're advising what they don't really realize that there is they're projecting their own limitations on you. Yeah. And just because that wasn't the path for them doesn't mean there's, we can show you all the, t everything where someone said, you can't do it. I can show you somebody else that did do it. Right. So yeah. it might've taken a little bit of uh, creativity, a little bit of sweat and grind. It might've required going about things a different way. 
but mm. it's, it's, it's such a great example because we can be limited. And I, and I can think of many times where I've spoken even with clients who are like, well, I'm in 50, so it's too late or I'm 55. So it's too mm. late. And I, I've talked about this in the show and I, I give examples of, you know, 73 year olds who went back to school and went into a completely different profession so that I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say yes to that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, play into or in, and uh, encourage your story. It's a story. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a story. I hear the story, but we're not going to continue with that story because I don't think that story is working for you. Um, so I, I love where you're you're going with those limitations because I, I think that we can both limit ourselves and other people can limit us as well. Yeah, it makes me think about the fact that we can't put all our value into one particular thing. Like we can't, we oftentimes, and this is exactly where I found myself and I hadn't really thought about this until this very moment is this element of like, when you push all of your effort and all of your energy into this one pathway, and then you find yourself hitting a wall and then someone says like, that's it, sorry. Um, that's not gonna serve you well. Um, that's where burnout comes in. Um, when you feel like, okay, well now what do I do? Um, if I put all my value and effort into one thing, and now I've been told I can't do that. Um, I can't be the, the thing that I want to be. Um, so you have to be able to be open to being wrong or open to being, you know, be able to pivot and move into other directions and see that your value is not tied up in one thing, but you contain multitudes and you're able to be whatever you'd like to be. And you can move from other from one thing to create something else. Yes. Yeah. And, and that perseverance too, right? What's jumping out at me as you were saying this, um, I know you and I both uh, are part of Rich Litvin's community. And I remember yeah. listening to his podcast last weekend. He, um, he interviewed this fascinating gentleman who's 30 years old from Iraq originally um, mm. in the Netherlands right now, blind, blind since he was born. And how many times, again, his parents who loved him, who said, we can't, you know, you can't do that. And he said, yes, yes, I can. And he wanted to get into computer programming. Well, nobody's ever done that before well I'm going to be the first person and yeah. had to like a, a two-year battle in order to get them to do that and it was so interesting to hear all of his stories and it again was a reminder that you know in that one where you, you could find it even easier to say well you know with that one it, it, it is really like it's never been done but like example, things that have never been done. Mm. So I think it's us also challenging ourselves and, and getting out, disrupting our thinking, as I was hearing you say that, because, you know, it's interesting. I can think of times where I noticed, like you're saying, like I was hitting the wall, it wasn't working. And then I said, I'm just going to like step away and get completely away from this because my mm. energy and mindset right now, I'm not going to get anywhere. And I might go back and look at this two days from now all of a sudden it looks completely different. So it's even recognizing like, where's our energy in that moment. And if you're in a pushing energy, you might not in that moment be able to get out of the pushing energy. It's going to take a little bit. So you, you count, you leave and then you revisit when your energy feels very different because now all of a sudden it's like, Oh, how, how come I didn't see that before? Like I even mm. notice when I sometimes go for a walk, I just notice I'm in a pushing energy. This isn't working for me. I'm going to go outside 45 minutes later, I come back wow, that looks so different than yeah, 45 yeah. minutes ago. 
Uh, it's funny because you, you, you mentioned this in one of my guideposts to, you know, one of the um, things in my book that I mentioned, not the guidepost, but uh, one of the things I talk about there and I've been talking about for years is expand your vision, narrow your focus. And it's just one of those things where it's like when you're hitting that wall, it's time to step away and expand your vision, see what's out there. And, you know, maybe you see a possibility you didn't see before. And then once you do, you know, don't get overwhelmed like narrow it down and figure out what it is that you can execute on in that moment, then focus on that. That's, it seems so like, you know, commonsensical, but I think ultimately we sometimes need that reminder of like, yeah, well, sometimes walls just seem like that's, that's my world. Um, yeah. And you need to step away. Yeah. And one of the things I love so much about coaching, either when I'm coach, because I always work with a coach for the rest of my life, because of course, I believe in coaching. So if I'm being coached, or when I'm coaching my clients, we can be in this tunnel vision. And then all of a sudden, but through asking different questions, the perspective starts opening. And then you're like, wow, an hour later, you've got all these ideas where an hour earlier felt like it wasn't possible. (laughs) And then you have to actually do the work. Yeah. Yeah. Then there's that whole execution part. However, sometimes you might recognize you're the visionary and you have other people with wonderful skill sets who are your executioners who can go out there and make exactly. it happen. Exactly. It's so true. And that's, that's one of the things that's so funny is that, you know, it can be overwhelming when you are, you know, running a business or a leader of a company and you feel like I have to do it all. And like, uh, you know, once I've identified this thing, then it's on me to make it happen. And like, no, no part of like really, you know, being the person who steps away from that wall is think about, okay, maybe I'm not the one, maybe what I'm trying to accomplish is not for me to accomplish, but for me to like, to be the person who helps to unleash that into the world and then, uh, you know, get other people in enlisted into that vision. So. Yes, because this is as you're in your zone of genius, and then you put somebody else in their zone of genius, it frees you up. Now you give somebody else an opportunity to be in their zone of genius. And to me, which I'm such a big fan of co-creating and ultimately, you know, you you listen to any of the um, the most successful CEOs and they'll always say, oh yeah, I hire people much smarter than me, but it's not even about that, right? They hire people with different skill sets because they know they're in their zone of genius. You've got all of these people working in their zone of genius together. You create something so much bigger and so much more powerful than yeah. you could ever do on your own. And I just think it, it's such a blessing to be able to have other people and bring them in. I, I remember even back in the day with um, my website and I kept on playing around and I was like, oh, I could just hire a copywriter. That's their gift. And then it's so easy. Like I just sit there. I'm very verbal. I sit there, I speak. And then, you know, 45 minutes are late. Oh, this, I'm like, I said that. Thank you. Like, because they can reflect it back to you because they're, they're doing their zone of genius. And, and it feels good because they get to be using their gifts and talents. I'm yeah. using my gifts and talents. We're creating something together and it feels so good. Yeah, no, it's, it's amazing when you, when you start to realize that you can step away from the, you know, the the activity of the thinking and the doing all the time you know you're constantly in that cycle because it is it's very draining to to be feeling that you have to do it all yeah yeah so tony as we start to wrap up today's conversation i always like to give my guests an opportunity to leave them with a final set final thought whatever is showing up for you in this moment mm. 
Well, one of the things that has been really on my mind is that like what you put out is what you get back, right? And this element of uh, right now, you know, a lot of people, their anxiety is high. There's a lot of like emotional turmoil in the world right now um, as we come back together. And I just think about how leaders and professionals of all types who are coming back together, like think about how you're showing up and know that the ripple you put out, what you put out is what you'll get back. So if you want people to react positively to you, make sure that you're, you're putting out the right vibe for yourself, you know? So yeah. I think that's what's really coming to mind right now is this, this importance of like how we come together in the most positive way. Yeah, I, I love what you say there because it gives so much empowerment, right? We always have a choice always around mm -hmm. how we show up, right? And we can have such an impact on the people around us based on how we show up and the energy yeah. we put out and what we focus on and what we decide not to focus on. Because sometimes when we're focusing on the negative, it's just re putting more energy into it. And yeah. um, I think that's some really, really wise words. Yeah. I, I just wanted to add one, you know, I've had, I've had some coaching clients of mine who've like come back into the workplace and they've had some challenges where it's like their anxiety is high. And I've always, I've told them, I said, look, you know, if you're finding that you're triggered in the moment you're entering, like, just like recognize that and take a moment to make sure that you get yourself prepared for that. If you're not feeling like you're ready to really step into that room, then maybe it's not the right time for you to step into the room. Maybe you need to be a little more compassionate with yourself. Um, but to create that pause, the moment of pause before you step in and then, you know, enter a new environment or the environment that you've been in the past and then feel all of the feelings that are going to show up. Um, you got to prepare yourself. It's not an easy thing. Yeah, I think that's important acknowledging and checking in with yourself too and saying, you know, what are my needs here? What needs are not being met, which is yeah. very individual to each of us. Mm, beautiful. Wonderful. Tony, where can people learn more about you and your work? Well, the, the best place to start is inspiredpurposecoach.com where you can take my leadership journey assessment, which is a great tool to find out where you are now and where you'd like to be. Um, and then you can pick up my book on Amazon, um, wherever you are in the world, it's, um, climbing the right mountain. Uh, you can find it on Amazon and I'm on social media. So you can find me wherever, wherever you are in social media. Uh, so, and I will share all of that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for being here today, Tony. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for being an amazing host. Thanks, Tony. Wherever you are in the world right now, we're sending you love. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Bye-bye. Please remember that meaningful change requires space and grace. Practice self-compassion and become the ripple. As you transform yourself, you transform your workplace and the people around you.